The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Game three of the World Series is tonight. We'll see who takes the edge between the Tampa Bay Rays and Los Angeles Dodgers. Of course, college football in the Big Ten is also back tonight with the Pac-12 on the way. And there's no doubt college and pro football will take focus along with the World Series. This is Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. For the next two hours, we got you covered. We're going to go through all of the intrigue, all of the injuries, and there's a <laughs> lot to get to here on the show as we get ready for the weekend, Joe, with uh, our last weekend of Major League Baseball until next, I I guess, March, until spring training. So take it all in while you can because the World Series is getting ready to come to an end here. Soak it in, everybody. Soak it in while you can have it. It should be a fun weekend of baseball and NFL as well. And if you watched last night's game like I did, especially the fourth quarter, it was pretty much a metaphor For that entire division, I would say. That fourth quarter really told you all you need to know about the ineptitude at times and sometimes the crazy things that can happen in the NFC East. But entertaining yet again Thursday night. All you got to do is turn on that fourth quarter in case you don't want to watch the whole thing. And chances are you're going to be entertained. That's exactly what I did. I didn't watch one second (laughs) until the fourth quarter and turned it on and watched the very end. And I felt like... I did myself uh, a good job there by not watching the beginning because universally it doesn't seem like one person thought that was a good game for about, uh, let's see, three and a half hours until the end. But yeah, uh, more or less a disaster uh, for both teams. Both teams are not good. That's the reality of of where we're headed. Mm -hmm. And let's get started with our headlines here because honestly, that was the battle for first and for last last night. And the Eagles (laughs) end up coming out on top. The Giants are not making the playoffs. The Eagles, by default, may end up making the playoffs. Uh, I was not impressed with either team. And and I, and I suppose, in the end, the Giants just decided to stop. Play. The Giants played great defense for three quarters, and they just decided to mm-hmm. stop playing defense in the fourth. Of course, Daniel Jones fell down running. That's the video everyone's talking about today. Uh, COVID concerns forcing the Raiders off Sunday night football. They'll now play at 4 o'clock Eastern instead of playing Sunday night, and more or less their entire offensive line could potentially miss this game, but the good news for the Raiders is no more positive tests. 
I mean, the Raiders are not hoping for more positive tests, but man, they may be hoping they don't get to play this game on Sunday. That's going to be not an easy task for them to beat Tampa Bay without four offensive linemen, it looks like right now. We talked about the World Series, and tonight it is back. It is Walker Bueller taking on Charlie Morton in Game 3. And, and, and I think this is going to be a dynamic matchup, maybe the best pitching matchup of the series, and one we could see again in Game 7. And then finally, we close it out with injuries to the Eagles. What's new? Deshaun Jackson hurt again. Lane Johnson mm-hmm. hurt again. And so uh, I would tell you, I, I mean, I'm not sure who the Eagles play next week, and I don't know what the early line on the game is next week. But remind me to start fading the, Eagle, the Eagles, Joe, as we move forward, because they basically emptied the tank to win by, was it one last night? So yep, not, yep. Impre- not impressed at all with them, to say the least. No. Well, look, if you enjoy quarterbacks running for their lives, this was the game for you uh, because that's pretty much – I know you didn't see the first three quarters I did, I'll tell you. Man, I mean, that was what Carson Wentz was doing. And Carson Wentz was – it's different to play with a sense of urgency as opposed to a sense of desperation. And at times in the first couple quarters, Wentz was playing with a little bit of desperation. He was making some bad choices as well. He was avoiding sacks sometimes and then running back around and then running back another five yards and then throwing the ball across the field where you should never do that across your body, across the other side of the field and putting the ball in jeopardy. And that was a bad job there by Carson Wentz. But then you have these moments where you watch Wentz where he throws perfect passes like that touchdown to Boston Scott and some other balls last night. They were incredible. And you get reminded of why everybody was so excited in Philadelphia about this guy a couple years ago. Because if you give him protection, the guy can throw the football. The guy has good awareness. The guy can make plays. The guy's a good athlete. The problem is, last night, Craig, this dude was running for his life the entire game against a defense that's okay. But it's it's not the Pittsburgh Steelers front, for God's sake. I mean, geez, it's crazy to me what was going on there in that game at times. And, and Daniel Jones, look... I hate to be Joe Stradamus a little bit, but yesterday we talked about what? The fumbles of Daniel Jones, and wouldn't you know it, the end of the game here, he has that opportunity to bring the team down there for potentially a game-winning field goal, and what happens? Another strip sack, and it's just like you can set your watch to it, no matter how good or bad Daniel Jones plays in a game. At some point, he's going to cough up the football, and I don't know if it's an awareness thing. I know they said he worked on it in the offseason about protecting the football better, but Craig, it doesn't seem like any of that offseason work really paid off in the end because yet again here we are with Daniel Jones and the Giants and look they did a good job Wayne Gallman stepped up after the Freeman injury in this game he looked good at times that was kind of surprising but you're right none of these teams are any good the Eagles look like the favorite by default yeah and that tie that they had earlier in the season uh, Doug Peterson mm-hmm. was very much criticized for not going for the win but wouldn't it be something in two months from now when we look back and credit Doug Peterson for allowing his team to tie because that may end up winning the division in the end. So go figure that one. Not something that I would have predicted for sure, Joe, but that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Look, Washington could jump back in it. The only thing I'm certain of at this point is that the Giants are out. I I see no scenario after losing back-to-back big games to Dallas and now uh, Philadelphia. I know they squeezed out that Washington win. I I don't think it can happen for them. I think that's it. Probably unlikely. I would agree. But at the same time, I mean, where's the confidence level with anything in this division? So you're probably right. I'd love to see that number was 850 for the Giants to win the division. I wonder what it is today. Yeah, it's nowhere where I want to be. That's for sure. And if that wasn't (laughs) fun enough, we're actually going to go through the fantasy standouts from Thursday night football. Boy, we're going to we're going to have to start figuring something else out here. But yeah, uh, if, if you played anybody in Thursday night football, you were rewarded with about two players in the game, maybe three. 
We'll talk about who did what next, if we dare. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. We're going to get to our fantasy standouts in a minute, but we got a little bit of news to get to here today, and we'll touch on it real quick. Then we'll talk fantasy standouts, and why not? I'd rather spend more time on this than that game last night for sure. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, Joe Mixon, according to ESPN, Joe ruled out for Sunday's game. So uh, what I would like to do is look beyond Giovanni Bernard here at this point because I, I think that's the easiest, that's the low-hanging fruit, that's the guy that everyone is going to start, not me. I want to take a look at the other options here for the Cincinnati Bengals because for me that's where the intrigue comes. Now there's two factors in this for me, Joe, with Cincinnati this week. Number one, without having Mixon – it is not all going to be Giovanni Bernard. It's going to be somebody else. Someone else is getting eight to 10 touches in this game for Cincinnati. Number two, it also opens up the door potentially because if Mixon is out this week and didn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, it also leads me to believe there's a chance at the very least that Mixon doesn't play next week. Couldn't even get on the practice field this week. So there is someone out there on a waiver wire for a buck or 50 cents or free that I got to grab this week. Now, uh, Samaj P. Ryan is the backup, I suppose, and he has been unimpressive in the two or three years that he's been around in the NFL. And so in looking a little bit deeper, Travion Williams, who was very good at Texas A&M, but hasn't even got, I think he's got one carry in two years. He was their sixth round pick, would be potentially the next man up. So here's what I recommend, Joe. There is someone out there that's not named Bernard that ends up being more valuable <laughs> in Cincinnati this week. I don't know the name. I don't know who it is, but that's the way that I'm going this week. It's it's not impossible. Uh, I will say this, though, uh, with the uses that Gio has gotten already this year at the goal line, which has been very frustrating for Joe, frustrating for Joe Mixon owners like myself. I could tell you Gio at least is going to get the goal line work. And that's all that matters to me. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. You're not wrong that somebody else could get some touches and who knows, maybe you break a big run and all of a sudden you become useful. I wouldn't necessarily be running to start Giovanni Bernard in uh, daily fantasy either. Cause I'm sure some people will look at that and say, well, it's a good matchup. I will take another route entirely, which is to say that I think Joe Burrow will run a little bit more in this game. And I will also say that T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, AJ green are all going to eat. There's going to be a little bit more emphasis on the passing game. Uh, in this contest with Cleveland, which there would have been anyway, because Cleveland's just been dreadful in terms of air yards this year given up. So I think that would be the attack anyway with this team. 
So why not continue to just push that a little bit further? But you're not wrong in the sense that sometimes it's not the easy guy or the easy name. However, in this one case, certainly the safest name is Gio Bernard. And with the goal line work that he's gotten so far this year, I mean, just look at last week, right? I mean, Joe Mixon had a couple of good runs. What happens? Gio Bernard's the guy that ends up at the end zone. We're all looking at each other like, how could that be? That's very frustrating. And it's not the first time it's happened this year. So at the very least, there's upside for about 10 points for Gio Bernard just from a touchdown and let's say 40 yards or something like that, which I think is very achievable. Yeah, I'm going to grab Williams in a league just to see what happens because I know who he is and I remember him playing in the SEC. So, um, you know, he was. You I just mean, hate Gio was, Bernard. I, you know, we used to have this conversation, remember, back in the day. I remember you were on a, ago, a late night radio show. Jeremy yeah. Hill, remember? You're just right, mad that yeah, Jeremy Hill was not the third guy. And Gio Bernard is still in the NFL. I don't know how that's the case. Me We're either. not on that channel uh, anymore, and Gio Bernard is still in the NFL. Let that sink that, in. That is, that's remarkable to think. Not about the channel, <laughs> but to think that Gio Bernard is still in the NFL for sure. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm going to take a shot at this this weekend. I'm not going to start, but look, it could be somebody outshines Bernard. Also, the other possibility for Bernard, and you never want to hope this, but the guy, every time he gets an opportunity, gets hurt and is out. So um, a full opportunity, that is. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens this weekend. I'm going to keep an eye on that. But if you have mix and get him out of your lineup, that's that's the end of that. Okay, our, our standouts from Thursday night, Carson Wentz. I did go against Wentz in a league. was feeling real good about that in the first half, and then he just poured in the numbers in the second half. He threw for 359 yards and three touchdowns, uh, also rushed for a touchdown, too, through a pretty errant pick as well in this game, but it got about 30 fantasy points, so I'm up against that. Daniel Jones had a good fantasy day, 187 through the air, 92 rushing yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and you'll take that if you had to start him for some reason, hopefully not, but if you did, he ended up giving you about 15, 20 fantasy points. Boston Scott did not have a good game, but then Mm -hmm. caught the game-winning touchdown for them and really saved everybody who started him on Thursday night. So in the end, you can look back if you started Boston Scott and say, yes, he ended up getting you 15 fantasy points. Can't complain with that. Wayne Gallman, he was basically the primary ball carrier for the Giants. They're still trying to squeeze it together here a little bit and find someone. He ended up scoring a touchdown last night, too. I don't think a lot of people played him, but he ended up getting 15 fantasy points with five receptions, 20 yards, a touchdown, also rushed for 34 yards. Greg Ward continues to play well for Philadelphia. He's not their number one. He's not their number two. He's probably not even their number three. They've tried to replace this guy five times. He's the only one that's been on the field for them the last two years. 42 (laughs) receiving yards, five receptions, and a touchdown. And Sterling Shepard, who I did not even realize was off the injured list, had six receptions, 59 receiving yards, and a touchdown. I had Shepard in a league earlier in the year, and I cut him. And so I, I think most leagues don't allow you to pick up a guy like this coming off Thursday night. You usually have to wait till no. next week. But my guess is when we're talking about Thursday night football come next Wednesday, Shepard is going to be an attack again for some teams. No, well, absolutely. And Shepard was a late addition to the active roster, which was great. As soon as I got the little notification, the two leagues that I had him in, I actually put him in because Sterling Shepard's a good receiver there. And Sterling Shepard is a guy that certainly can help this Giants offense. And he helped them right out of the gate. And I'm not surprised at all, especially with the deficits in that run game. Devonta Freeman got hurt in this game early. You saw some Deion Lewis real quick. He fumbled the ball. Then they went more to Gallman. And Gallman had a couple good runs. Again, you kind of look at the overall and you go, well, that's not a great stat line. But if you watched, you saw some actual decent runs there from Wayne Gallman. Uh, but overall, this game was, uh, like you said, it's about the fourth quarter of this game. 
Daniel Jones did make a huge play there and had a huge run. We all know that. And all the sniper memes afterwards were very amusing because uh, there was no one around him. And of course, he fell down there a few yards short of the goal line, which is very frustrating on national TV, I'm sure. But look, the Giants are not a good football team. What can you take away from this in terms of fantasy? The run game is still a disaster. Daniel Jones still does not protect the football. He's still a turnover machine, which is a problem. However, Sterling Shepard being back is a huge positive. If somehow he is still available and you can pick him up, do it right away. And if not, next week he should be a, a waiver wire target without a doubt. On the Eagles side of this, this was the first game I got to watch four quarters of Travis Fulgham. I've only seen bits and pieces and some highlights. And it's funny to me because he had a couple really good moments in this game. And he had a couple drops in this game where you sort of understand, okay, this is why this guy wasn't necessarily a big draft pick or somebody that we had uh, some kind of knowledge of going into the season. However, I don't think he is without talent. And I don't think these stat lines he's put up the last couple weeks should be ignored. Greg Ward was the better guy in this game without a doubt. However, statistically speaking, although Ward was better, I would say Fulgham at moments had the bigger catches for this offense. So that is a guy going forward. I think even when Jeffrey comes back, that actually might be a positive because Fulgham will continue to be around there. He almost looks to me, Craig, kind of like a, a Mike Evans light in terms of body type. That's kind of what he looks like physically. And if he can kind of eventually show up in and grow into this role, it's huge because it's not that long ago, an undrafted free agent named Adam Thielen that nobody really knew much about kind of took the league by storm and fantasy owners by surprise. So don't think that Travis Fulgham is a one-week wonder necessarily either. There are some good things that he did in this football game. And let's hope Carson Wentz can get some protection because, my goodness, oh, just this guy, I just felt so bad. He never had a clean pocket. And the one or two times he did, he made some incredible throws. He made the kind of throws that reminded you of why this guy was a franchise quarterback, why he was a high overall pick, number one or number two overall. I forget the order between him and Goff. But I can tell you right now, if the Eagles can just figure out a way to protect this guy and somehow give him a little bit more in the wide receiving core next year, maybe it's a healthy Jalen Ragor. I don't know. But, man, I'm just hoping that people don't sour on Carson Wentz yet because there was too many throws and too many big spots last night that were really, really good that made you remember, yeah, this guy is pretty good. We just need to give him a better situation. And, and again, on the Giants side, a couple of things. First of all, Evan Ingram dropped a very important ball that could have led yes. to a Giants win in this one. Shouldn't go without saying. That's first and foremost. He's been a disappointment, although he did go over the FanDuel total that was posted yesterday. That's number one. Number two, as bad as the Giants are, they have a really good chance after this week to be more profitable betting this season than the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs. So consider that for a minute with the New York Giants at one and six, still doing very well against the spread, covering another game in Philadelphia last night. All right, coming up next, we're going to go inside the numbers and tell you a little bit more about what to expect this coming week in fantasy football. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking? and want to know how to make it your career. Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... 
We bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. And welcome back. We're headed toward another fantasy football weekend. Very excited to try to get over 500 in a couple of my leagues, three and three, basically across the board here. Need to get better, that's for sure. Let's take a look at fantasy uh, by the numbers here, Joe. And there's no doubt that the Atlanta Falcons are in a very big matchup this week against the Detroit Lions. Question is, can they take advantage? Yeah, and the number here is 2,000. That's how many passing yards the Atlanta Falcons have given up already. Just for context, that's 150 more than anybody else. So you can see some other bad defenses and all that. No, no, no. They're even worse. Now the question is, will the Lions be able to take advantage of this? And of course, right away you go, sure, Kenny Galladay, Matthew Stafford. But it might not be exactly what you think on the secondary guys, because if you study a little bit more here and you look at what's going on since they've come out here of the bye, uh, De- uh, DeAndre Swift has been getting a lot more opportunity here, and I think you could see him very active in this game. The one thing also the Atlanta Falcons struggle mightily with is running backs who catch the ball out of the backfield. This is not just this year. This is going back historically for the last four years. It's just what they do, and they have yet to address it. The linebacking core still can't do it. They don't cover these guys very well. Now, there's a lot of people also saying this could be the Marvin Jones week because we all know we've been playing fantasy long enough. There's always two weeks out of the year where out of nowhere, Marvin Jones has, what, 120 yards and three touchdowns. We're all looking at ourselves going, where did this come from? And it happens. And this could very well be that game. So I can understand for the cheap cost of him on FanDuel, maybe taking in a multi-entry GPP, one share here and there of Marvin Jones. But I think for that secondary guy outside of necessarily the obvious Stafford good play, the obvious DeAndre Swift good play, excuse me, obviously Kenny Galladay good play, it's DeAndre Swift. I think that's the sneaky guy here in this game because of his ability to catch the football out of the backfield, Greg. All right, well, uh, moving on, let's talk about the Cowboys a little bit. And uh, look, at this stage, they've allowed 1,000 yards, Joe, as you take a look at here on the ground. That's our number today, 1,000 yards. That's a lot for a season. They've allowed it already halfway through the fantasy football season. But the question that I think that a lot of people have is, can you trust J.D. McKissick or Antonio Antonio Gibson? Because neither of them have been consistent enough to play on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, that is the real question here. And McKissick had the better fantasy week last week. And we struggle because we keep saying, oh, well, you know, can every defense just, uh, every offense just show up against the defense of the Cowboys? And inevitably, the answer has been yes. I mean, even if you go back a couple weeks ago, the question was, wow, the Giants really offensively have not played well. Well, guess what? They put up 30 points. And actually, they could have put up more if not for a few penalties that called things back. So I actually think this week you can make a case for McKissick. I would make a case for him over Gibson in this one because it seems like since Kyle Allen's taken over, McKissick seems to be a little bit more in favor. Gibson's game log was going up. It was upticking there in those last two games of Haskins. 
And then all of a sudden, when they made that change in quarterback, things started to go back down. It felt like McKissick was starting to rise. So if I was going to pick between the two, that's the way I would go. And McKissick is really cheap. He's in that 5K range. Interesting flex play. Allows you to go to the top of the board to get some shares in that Seattle game, let's say, against Arizona or maybe the Atlanta game in Detroit where you figure there's going to be a lot of scoring and a lot of points. But it is a stunning number to think that they've given up 1,000 rushing yards on the season. And we are here only in week seven. All right. Well, Derrick Henry has been basically matchup proof over the last two and a half years. Ever since Ryan Tannehill took over a quarterback and Marcus Mariota sat the bench, you basically can plug and play Derrick Henry every game. But look, this is the toughest matchup that he'll face all season, Joe. You got to play him. I mean, you, there's no better option to have than Derrick Henry, even if he was playing against 15 Steelers on the field at once, you'd still would have to do it. 331 yards. That's the number that Pittsburgh has given up. Any chance that Derrick Henry gets, let's say, I don't know, only 10 fantasy points this week? Because that certainly would be a very down game for him, even if he only got that. I don't think there is. And and I don't think this is a question of whether or not you start Derrick Henry. Of course you do. It's a matter of two things. Number one, how do you construct the lineup around him? Because there is that possibility that it is a down week. You have to respect what the Pittsburgh Steelers defense has done against the run this year. There's no doubt about that. They have been stunningly good. They are the polar opposite. You talk about a team right in Dallas that just gave up a thousand yards already. This one is a third of that. I mean, come on. That is a huge cavern. Now, they also haven't faced Derrick Henry, and they haven't faced Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter at games either. So I think Derrick Henry is going to be fine. I think what you want to do is pay attention, though, to the other parts of your lineup. Who's your RB2? Who's your wide receiver three? Who is your flex spot? And you might be looking for a little bit more upside. If you have some players there, you're like, wow, this guy's got a decent floor, but this other guy that I've got is a little bit more upside, maybe boom or bust. I think you might want to consider that player as a flex. And also, it matters in DFS because Derrick Henry is very expensive on FanDuel this week. So you have to understand that he's probably going to have a low roster percentage, which makes him an intriguing contrarian play because a lot of people are going to have Camaro this week. Almost everybody probably is probably going to be like 40% owned in the million-dollar contest. However, Derrick Henry is an interesting pivot. Why? Because most people just see Pittsburgh, see the numbers, and go, nah, I'm going to fade away from him and not realize, hey, Derrick Henry doesn't matter. He went up against Baltimore last year, tore through them. He went up against the Patriots defense, which was number one in the league at the time, tore through them. So anything is possible here for Derrick Henry. Do not dismiss him. Do not write him off. All right, let's move on to the Denver Broncos. And, and they've been no stranger to turning the ball over this year. Our number here, Joe, is 10. 10 turnovers for the Broncos in 2020. Uh, that's a lot, no doubt about that. They just haven't gotten good quarterback play, good receiver play. They've had injuries. The play calling has been suspect, to say the least. And, and so this week, Kansas City's defense is on the map. Uh, I know that I own them in one spot. Yeah, I've got the Kansas State defense in a lot of leagues this year because they were free and they finished up strong. And it was kind of the the same <laughs> same concept that I used the previous season, which is in that Super Bowl run that the Patriots had, their defense looked really good in the second half. And yet the following year in fantasy, they were sort of dismissed. And somehow they were a free defense. You could basically take them in the last round of every league. And I did the same thing this year with the Chiefs. And so far, outside of that one bad game there uh, with Las Vegas, they've been pretty good. And I have to imagine this isn't over here. So it's not a question of whether or not you would start this defense. Of course, it's a pretty good matchup here for them. Drew Locke is okay, but I think you look collectively at this offense and it's a little uninspiring in Denver. The trick is on the FanDuel side and the defense because everybody's going to be looking at what this week? Buffalo against the Jets, and rightfully so. However, you can save yourself about $400, and I think you can find a fair amount of 
turnover opportunity in this game for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that is a very important thing because not only are you just fading a little bit of the ownership of the Buffalo game, should they not have such an extraordinary moment here against, let's say, the Sam Darnold Jets as opposed to the Joe Flacco Jets the last couple of weeks. It's something to keep in mind that is going to be very heavily rostered. So how can you find something that's responsible, that's very close to it, but maybe a little cheaper, allow you to spend another, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars on a running back or a wide receiver that you think you really like to have this week? It's an interesting pivot. I would go over that one and a half for the turnovers in this game. I think they're getting good pressure on the quarterback. I love the game plan they had against Josh Allen. So for me, I think there's a good opportunity for the Chiefs D. What do you think? Yeah, and I'm starting a Chiefs D this week. Uh, not that I have a lot of other better options, but <laughs> I, I do want to fade Denver as much as I can. So I uh, totally agree there. Uh, okay, let's close it out here with the number 22. Uh, right now, Michael Thomas looks to be questionable going into the Sunday game with the New Orleans Saints. And look, beyond Sanders, they just don't have a lot of other options there. And so let's take a look here. In the last 10 games, Carolina allowing 118 yards, 1.6 rushing touchdowns to opponent running backs over under 22 points in PPR for Alvin Kamara. Uh, look, at, at this stage, you would have to think that he's one of the better plays, not only in season long, but in DFS this week, Joe. He is, and I actually would go over the 22, especially because it seems like Michael Thomas is trending in the wrong direction from everything you read this morning, and that's not good. This is another week where Michael Thomas should have been back, theoretically, and he is not, and that is just incredibly frustrating for fantasy owners everywhere. I feel you. I feel your pain. We'll make a support group here on SportsGrid, and we'll somehow try to get through this. We'll hold hands, and we'll figure it out. But Alvin Kamara this week, as I mentioned in that last bit, is going to be really highly rostered on FanDuel this week, and that's not a bad thing. OK, this whole concept of, well, he's so chalky to get away from it. No, no, no. If Alvin Kamara ends up putting 30 something points on the board, you want those 30 points. It's how you construct the rest of it. And it's where you're going to need some savings. Like maybe you can't go to the chalkiest defense on the board either. And you can look for the Chiefs or you can look for some other options out there like DeAndre Swift, who's just 61K. We'll talk about in a second here later on. But I think when you're looking at Kamara this week, don't be afraid of, oh, well, everybody's going to have him because sometimes the chalk is good. And it's something we talk about on Fantasy Game Day quite a bit. And if you look at that million-dollar contest more often than not, I would be shocked if he wasn't in that lineup this week, if he did go off, of course, because the roster percentage is going to be very high. The opportunity is very good. And I'll kind of flip the script here a little bit, too, and talk about the Panthers here, because I'm curious in your mind, you know, the Panthers have won a couple games here, but now it feels like they're starting to come back down to earth. Is this the humbling game here for Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers? Or is this a surprising offensive output here with him going back to New Orleans with some weapons here and some confidence having won a few games recently? Yeah, it's it's a fair question, and and I would say that it could be maybe a combination of both. Maybe Bridgewater throws for a lot of touchdowns, throws for a lot of yards, but throws picks. Uh, he was humbled a little bit last week, I think, against the Bears, that's for sure. But look, mm -hmm. this is a matchup this week that it would probably be tough if they're going to go try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with New Orleans. Uh, I'm not discounting Carolina out of anything. They've played a lot better than I, I think most people thought they would. If they can somehow stay in this game, I think they have a shot to cover. They're going to have to do a lot to win the game outright, that's for sure. But the good news for them is that McCaffrey is expected to return next week, no doubt about that. Okay, so that's inside the fantasy numbers. But coming up next, it's time for a little start-sit here on the show. We'll go through the running back position, wide receivers, and tight ends. A little bit later, you'll want to stay tuned because two things are going to happen. Number one, we'll see if Jim Sanis agrees in terms of Alvin Kamara. 
and he is going to be here to discuss all of the possible options in DFS this coming up weekend. Give you a little hint. I already plugged Alvin Kamara into my lineup this week. In addition to that, Howard Bender is going to be with us. We're going to go through all of the games in the Westgate Super Contest. We're coming off a three and two week, still trying to climb over the 50% mark right there, just needing one big week. We'll give you some early leans on those games as well. So make sure you stay tuned and also check out our YouTube channel on SportsGrid. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. So make sure you stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We'll have a World Series preview coming up in just a bit. We'll hear from Kevin Cash, the manager of the Rays. Also, today's starting pitcher for the Dodgers, Walker Bueller. So stay tuned to that. Stay on the grid. That's coming up. In about 20 minutes from now, also for those of you who have Joey Sly, the kicker of the Carolina Panthers, and maybe uh, weren't sure what to do with him because he was placed on the uh, COVID list this week. He has been activated, so you can get him back in your lineups. No need to cut him or just pick him back up if you like the matchup this week against New Orleans. All right, start and sit this week at the running back position, Joe. Let's take a little bit of a rundown and look at some potential options Buffalo has a great matchup this week at the Jets. It, by the way, it was announced that Sam Darnold's going to return this week for them, so maybe a better opportunity at the very least for them to cover the 13 points this week, that's for sure. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, of course, neither have been impressive through halfway through the fantasy season. DeAndre Swift, Adrian Peterson going up against Atlanta. Swift coming off a great game. Peterson still getting a lot of goal line work. Jarek McKinnon of San Francisco at New England. Uh, right now, with James White potentially out this week, uh, Damian Harris has uh, found his way onto our rundown yet again. Rex Burkhead also against San Francisco. And then J.D. McKissick of Washington at Dallas. Among this uh, this list, who do, you, who do you have in your lineups this week? I see, uh, let's see, for me, I see one player. One player on this entire list that I would. <laughs> oh well, I'm definitely starting DeAndre Swift. That's pretty easy, and I think you That's can start one. Adrian. I think you can start Adrian Peterson against Atlanta too, because he is still getting enough carries out there, and there's probably some touchdown equity that he brings in this game. If you're desperate for a running back, let's say you have people on buys, we have injuries. Like you said, always every week, there's not a lot of running backs out there. Adrian Peterson's healthy. You can start him this week. The Buffalo situation is what's troubling to me because nobody has emerged yet in this backfield. And if you are buying into the game script of this game that Buffalo is going to have a big lead, you would think the guy that would benefit the most of this theoretically would be Zach Moss. But I can't feel good about starting him because I haven't seen him do anything yet. I haven't seen Devin Singletary show me the spark and the life and the breakaway explosiveness that he showed last year too. It hasn't happened. Maybe this is the game because it's the Jets. But this is where game script and track record kind of meet. And this is where I think people can sometimes struggle and make bad decisions. Uh, I Look, it's a no-brainer to start DeAndre Swift. We know that. But the rest of these guys, some people are going to have to make some decisions. We just lost Joe Mixon. That's another guy. I'll tell you what. I feel better about starting Giovanni Bernard than I do this week about Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. And that is not a hot take. That is truth right there, Craig. What do you think about that? Boy, that's a tough call because it is the Jets. That's my only. That's my only thing there. Um, but what if they showed would, you? What if the Buffalo running backs shown you every week? We sit here and we say, why can't one of these guys pull out? And why can't one of these guys make a, a moment? Okay, so, so, so the I'd have to backtrack here, and I don't have the data in front of me, so it's a bad job. 
But who did the Jet? Who did the Jets face before last week? I know who they faced last week, and that Denver. guy was worth starting. Was it Denver? Denver a what, weeks what ago did, on Thursday night? Did Did anyone do anything for Denver? Yeah, Melvin I honestly, Gordon. Melvin Gordon in the fourth quarter. Remember we joked Mel, Mel and Melvin Gordon. Okay, so did Gordon rushed for a touchdown. touchdown against the Jets, right? So, uh, well, yeah, because he had that late big run for the touchdown there in the fourth. It quarter. counts. It counts. It counts. Okay, it does count. You're and, not and wrong. How about before that week? But who did the Jets? Do you remember? Uh, uh-huh. I don't know. I, we'd have to ask Brett there. He's locking all this memories we'll of have doom to that up. But the last there. two weeks, the last two weeks, the Jets have given up a massive amount of yards on the ground and a touchdown. At least two weeks I in understand. a row. Hey, look, the, the opportunities there and desperation, I get it. Uh, I don't think Jarrett McKinnon is a bad play against New England at all with Mostert out. I know a lot of people are talking about Hasty and the, trying to make this guy happen to that guy. But the fact is, there you do have some clarity because when McKinnon had the backfield to himself for two weeks, McKinnon was startable. So I would go back to that. Well, I feel better about McKinnon than I would about Singletary or Zach Moss right now. And the Patriots guys, I don't feel good about any of them right now, but I have to put them on there because they're on the bubble. And with James White and the uncertainty there of him missing practice this week, I don't know what's going on in that backfield. Nobody knows what's happening here for the Patriots in that backfield. It is a complete cluster. It is a complete pick up a dart and throw it, and maybe you're lucky if you hit a guy right now because nobody knows what the identity of this offense is because they haven't been able to find one. So it's very frustrating week in terms of running backs. And uh, if you're not a Joe Mixon owner and you're desperate for RB, I think this Gio Bernard thing that just popped up and fell in our laps is something worth examining. I don't think Gio Bernard is great, but I think Gio Bernard in this matchup against Cleveland could be 10 points. And I think you just take that and run considering what some of the other things are. Yeah, I I think 10 points, that's a fair assessment there. But again, I'm I'm trying to look ahead a little bit here. Uh, Yeah, Swift would be the only one for sure. And then I think that I'd have to piece it together beyond that. But again, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of players out. You could do worse than anyone. Uh, that we've listed there. All right, let's take a look at wide receiver here this week and a great matchup, you would think, for Seattle at Arizona, now playing on Sunday night. I like it even more. Uh, we know that that Metcalf is a star, and, and who knows, maybe even a first-round pick in, in fantasy next year. But Lockett has been well, – look, Lockett has not been who maybe some people thought he would. David Moore catches one long ball every week. They attempt to throw a touchdown to him every week for sure. Rashad Perryman for the Jets gets back his quarterback, maybe some garbage time against Buffalo. John Brown banged up a little. Cole Beasley also at the Jets. T. Higgins and A.J. Green get a matchup against Cleveland. Juju Smith-Schuster has had a very quiet year, no doubt. James Washington even did better last week. Deontay Johnson, is he back this week? I guess he is at Tennessee. Julian, Julian Edelman for New England at San Francisco had a quiet week last week. And then on the flip, Brandon Ayuk, who scored a touchdown, is... Uh, is on this list here. Okay, so uh, let's run through this here, Joe, a little bit. I suppose mm-hmm. in terms of Lockett, you can't sit him. I mean, you, you can't not. sit Lockett. Yeah, so so that's <laughs> that's the one guy to start with, I think, here. That's a no-brainer. Um, it is. However, team, there's it, a lot of people out there. I can't – and the reason I put him on the list is because sometimes people need encouragement on a player because he hasn't been good the last couple of weeks, and we keep going, oh, what's going on with Lockett? Do I sit him for this guy or that guy? And this is where you come out and you have to reassure people and say no. And the same thing's going on with Juju right now. I would say no, because if anything, Big Ben is due for a big correction. And we've seen that happen with Roethlisberger before. So I would not be sitting Lockett. I would not be sitting Juju for better or worse. Those are your best opportunities to score points. So I think that's why I put them on the sheet this week here on this slide, because to me, 
sometimes fantasy owners need encouragement because the last thing you want to do is sit the guy that you drafted in the third round and then he has a great day. That's a very frustrating, more frustrating than I think him getting like a five-point day is him sitting there on your bench with a 30-point day. And then, and then also Higgins is pretty much a must start at this point based on the way he's played. And mm-hmm. and so I, I don't think that you have three better options than T Higgins. We may have one, you may have two, but he's going to start or be a flex. So the questions for me, I guess, are Perryman, who really hasn't done much, but hasn't had a quarterback to do much. And, and then really the final two guys, I'm not playing Deontay Johnson, but beyond that, it's Julian Edelman and Brandon Ayuk. Edelman clearly was hurt last week, and, and I know he only had a couple of catches, but he still is pretty much, it feels like, the main target of, of Cam Newton. And Ayuk could come alive a little bit. Maybe he gets to play a little bit more. Well, look, I think Ayuk without Mostert's going to get to play a lot more, too, because they like to run that little jet sweep kind of thing sometimes in that offense of San Fran. They do a lot with Debo, but they could do it a lot with Ayuk, too. They showed even when Debo was out, he was okay with that. So don't be surprised if there's four or five carries in this game for Ben Ayuk in some clever way. So I think that makes him a start. I would definitely be starting T. Higgins. I agree with that. I would also, now that Mixon's out, I think you can contemplate off last week if you're in desperate mode, and I mean desperate, Throwing out A.J. Green because I do think you're just going to see a lot of passing from Cincinnati in this game, and that Cincinnati defense is terrible. They're always going to be behind. They're going to have to force the football. Uh, Deontay Johnson is back, but I would not go and start him. Claypool's been so good. Now, I understand there are different spots there for these guys, and he plays on the outside. However, I think under the circumstances, even though Tennessee, it's a very tempting thing to start him again. Uh, In terms of John Brown, who has been banged up the last couple weeks, it's not been great. But, you know, quietly good has been Cole Beasley, especially in full-point PPR. People haven't noticed that, but he's really getting a fair amount of targets kind of without the healthy John Brown. And you could also connect the healthy John Brown in the first couple weeks of the season with the really good version of Josh Allen. You know, when he had those two guys who could really go and stretch the field. That really changed things quite a bit. All of a sudden, just Stefan Diggs healthy. It's kind of come back in terms of a little bit of offense, but that has favored Cole Beasley a bit recently. And uh, I think that's how you look at it. And Perryman's been hurt all year. Last week he came back. He was okay in his first start back. I would imagine playing from behind, there's opportunity in full point PPR for double digit points for him this week against Buffalo. Okay, uh, tight end. This is this is where basically it's it's all hands on deck. You're always just trying to find your eight to ten mm-hmm. points if you can get it. And I would guess that Hayden Hurst has the best shot of all of these guys to do it. It's a really good matchup for Atlanta against Detroit. Austin Hooper of Cleveland against Cincinnati. We have Darren Fells, always a red zone target, very clearly for Deshaun Watson. Poor Dalton Schultz. Ugh, I don't know. Seems to be going the other way now. Not his fault, but doesn't have the quarterback there, so not sure on him. And then Gronk had a nice coming out last week, but will he be able to repeat that, Joe, against Las Vegas? Look, I think Gronk is a desperation play. You can play him if you want to, but I would not. I would look for some of these other guys. Uh, Andrew Erickson from PFF yesterday had a great comment. I asked him about what happens with this Dallas offense with Dalton. He said, in his opinion, the better talent will rise and the lesser talent will fall. So guys like Dak Prescott make guys like Schultz happen because he can. he's a great quarterback. Whereas at this point, Andy Dalton is a shell, and Andy Dalton is not going to be able to make a backup fantasy relevant. I thought that was great analysis, and I think going forward, it's something to be concerned with. Darren Fells in the last two weeks, by the way, since the change of coach, he's been the guy. He's averaging 13 half PPR points, half 
That's a pretty good thing right there. That's a trend. He is just 5,300 on FanDuel. We'll talk about him in a second a little bit more. I'd be starting him. Hooper definitely has some appeal this week. Be careful, though, with obviously Baker Mayfield not being uh, very healthy there. But uh, I think Hayden Hurst is definitely a start. He's the guy I feel most comfortable with. with. But I'll tell you this. I think Darren Fells is that second guy I feel comfortable with because he has touchdown upside in this game against Green Bay at home. All right, and then finally, let's go to quarterback as we close out Start Sit. We have Justin Herbert. Feels like he's been on our list every week. Uh, They're taking on Jacksonville, Ryan Tannehill, and now an MVP candidate, no doubt, against Pittsburgh, Drew Brees against Carolina, and then Andy Dalton against Washington. Mm. So I know know Dalton's a It's a super flex question. That's (laughs) a problem. Just a matter of everybody else. Well, here's the thing. It's a super flex question, right? When you're on buys and you see Andy Dalton, he's your third quarterback, or you had the Dak injury, it's like, do you throw him out there against Washington and just hope that it can be better? You might have no choice. <laughs> I would try to do everything. I'll tell you what. I'll start the I'd other guy that in that got, game. Now that we got the news, I'd rather start Sam Darnold over him. And I know that sounds crazy. Not Kyle Allen. Would. I think I would start Andy Dalton over Kyle Allen. Over uh, Kyle just Allen? because of the weapon, wow. over Kyle Allen, just because of the weapons he's got, I, I, I'm hoping that Dallas the weapons can carry him over. all year. Not one team. Well, that's not a bad thing for Andy Dalton, though. That means they're going to have to be aggressive still on offense. They can't. What about last week? <laughs> I know. <laughs> look, I know they were terrible. Look, they were terrible. But you and I both know one week it could look terrible. The next week, all of a sudden, you'll put up 30 points. That's the NFL. I think I would take that Dalton? shot against Washington. I know it's been bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not predicting it. Believe me. I'm I saying hope in so. Super I, I don't have a so. spot. I would rather start I, I, Sam Darnold now that he's cleared. No doubt about this. The rest of the guys are all starts for me. Breeze at home. I know yeah, it hasn't I, been great. I know he doesn't have Michael Thomas, but you still got to start him in the dome against Carolina. It's still a youthful defense on the uh, at home there for him. Tannehill, even though it's against Pittsburgh, I still think he's a start. And that is a lot of people disagree with me. No, this team is for real in Tennessee. Okay, they're they are they are worth your confidence, whether it works out or not. That's for Monday to figure out. But I think going into this game, you have to respect what the Tennessee Titans uh, offense has done and what Tannehill has done so far. So I'd be starting him too. All right, coming up next, a little DFS values. We'll run through a handful of players that you can use. And then our full DFS previews coming up in about 15 minutes as Jim Sanis will join us from number fire. So make sure you stay tuned, stay on the grid, and we'll have those FanDuel values coming up for you next. Then our top stories. And plenty more. Make sure you stay on the grid. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. If you just are still watching us live here, you're watching our stream on YouTube. We just talked about whether or not to start Austin Hooper at tight end. Unfortunately for Hooper, he's suffering from an illness of some kind. The Browns are saying that it's not COVID related, which is good news, but unfortunately he won't be able to play this week against Cincinnati. So make sure you get him out of any lineup you have, whether it is standard or DFS. Let's go through some potential values for this week, Joe, and find out which tight end you'll be playing this week in your DFS lineup. <laughs> well, there's two. Uh, Logan Thomas is one of them with the Washington football team against Dallas, but the other one I love is Darren Fells. We just talked about. Let's go. Let's do it. I told you, averaging 13 and a half 
uh, half PPR points the last two weeks since the change of the tight end position, excuse me, the head coach position. So that's a big deal there going forward. And you know that they're throwing the football and you know that that Houston defense is no good. And that means there's going to be a fair amount of scoring in that game. Uh, it's got a high total this week. I think you also look at Brandon Cooks. He's really good value this week at 5.9. Same game there. You could put Deshaun Watson with these two guys and have a really nice pairing. I would fade away from filler. Uh, Fuller this week has a bad matchup with Jair Alexander. I would stay away from that. Alexander's been very good this year so far. Uh, Brandon Cooks, however, is a really nice guy to be playing in his stead, and he's cheaper at 5.9. DeAndre Swift, Matthew Stafford, there you go. There's a great pairing. You could put him in a trio with Kenny Galladay. Really good opportunity for points there in this game against Atlanta. Look, I understand DeAndre Swift so far has had some up and down. I think it's time to be a little proactive here, get him in your lineups, but also in daily fantasy at 61. Even if he just gets you 12, it's not terrible because you're going to find a lot of high-end guys like Alvin Kamara, and you can make that work. So I think as a flex RB or even an RB2 potentially, you can get by this week. And of course, you know, <clears throat> again, Cincinnati, I love Kareem Hunt, but that goes without saying. Yeah, we're back on the Kareem Hunt train. Last week was a, almost a very devastating week. He had to leave the game with an injury briefly. Didn't have a good fantasy game. We'll see if this week he writes the trip with uh, a good matchup this week for sure. No question. Okay, coming up next, it's time for our second hour of fantasy sports today. Those of you who watched the first hour, make sure you catch us here for the second hour. Like and subscribe to our show. If you're watching on demand on YouTube, leave us a comment if you don't mind. Maybe I'll comment back if I like it. Or don't like. Who knows? Top of the hour is next. World Series preview. Don't go away. More sports grid. More fantasy sports today. Next. It's sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.